Hi, this is Carson with Troy, and I have with me Ashley Lawrenson, writing under the pen name A.L. Lawrenson. Now, her debut book came out last year, and it is For Evergreens and Aspen Trees, which I love that title. And it is the first book of a series, The Songs of Laurelan. Did I say that correct? Yeah, you did. Okay. Um, and Ashley, uh, thank you so much for getting on with us today. Go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself and your book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'm Ashley. Um, I, oh gosh, of course, as soon as anything gets asked, my brain goes blank. Um, <laughs> so I, I did most of my growing up in Washington. Um, and that's kind of when I started writing when I was pretty young. My dad introduced me to word on this really ancient dinosaur of a computer like it was a huge box and had the green screen and all those other things um and so I I played around with it and I discovered that I really loved like making stories and writing stories um and so I've really been like seriously writing since I was about 11. Oh wow. Um and that's actually when I started this book um I was inspired by the Rangers Apprentice series by John Flanagan. I just finished it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I have to write something. Um, and so I started writing this book um, and then I finished it when I was 14. And then because I finished it when I was 14, I promptly started rewriting it. Um, and then now here I am 14 years later with it published and done, so. That's awesome. Um, you know, having the, the Rangers Apprentice series like uh, inspire you, was there any other books that inspired um, you as you were going along your journey? Oh gosh, so many. I So I was that kid that more often than not, I had a book in my hands than anything else. Um, and so I, I just read voraciously um, and I watched a lot of movies and things like that. And so it, going back, I'm like, I don't know if there's a part where I like wasn't inspired by something or other at some point, um, but because I read so many, I can't like target exactly which ones um like inspired me more than others um because I just read a ton so it took 14 years before you know it came out so yeah. were there long periods of time where you set that down and you're like okay I'm going through my life I want to pick that up and what what motivated you to keep that going yeah um so definitely I I would set it down for a couple of years and then I begrudgingly go and pick it back up I'm like okay I, I gotta get this done um, and I think what really motivated me um, to finish it is I, that was just like my dream. That was something that I wanted and I loved. And um, I joke that like the characters wouldn't let me go because um, they, they had kind of come into their own being almost. Um, and so I was like, oh, I, I just, I have to tell their stories. Otherwise they're going to not leave me alone. Um, and it was also a big part. I have a really busy brain anyway. Um, I haven't been like formally diagnosed with ADHD or anything, but um, I tell myself that I have ADHD tendencies because um, my brain is always going. And so writing was a huge outlet for me. Um, and those became like my friends and everything else. And so I, I went to that to cope and help my brain. Um, and again, it was just something that I just really wanted to do either way. So you started at 12, finished at 14, you know, it was 14 years later. How has the, the story changed? How has it progressed? Oh, um, it, it's gone through quite a few um, major upheavals. Um, so when I, when I first wrote it, I had, you know, the whole story down and everything. Um, and then as I went through and was rewriting it and really trying to add some more of the depth of character and depth of feeling and plot and everything, I realized that I was going to have 
a huge monster of a book on my hands. Um, and so what I ended up doing actually is I split it in half. Um, and so the second book that will be coming out hopefully sometime this year, um, that will actually be like the second half of what was originally the first book. Um, and there were some characters that I took out um, and put back in and then took out again or renamed um, just kind of all over the place. But it, it really has gone through like it is almost completely unrecognizable from that very first draft. You know, that's something that people kind of that want to buy, write a book. Um, I think it's kind of hard to, to grasp because you do fall in love with characters and you do fall in love with story and what's going on mm -hmm. and to be able to take stuff out and rename and change that can be hard for some people how do you kind of get through that and realize okay this is first draft or second draft or whatever like it's not gonna be the finished draft yeah um so that is that's still a hard thing for me because I'm very much a perfectionist um and so I like my mantra to myself as I'm drafting for the very first time is I'm like you know what bad bad writing is better than no writing bad writing is better than no writing um, but then as far as cutting goes, um, it, it was hard because there's a, there's a saying in the author community, and I'm sure in other places as well, to kill your darlings. Um, and so take out the things that you love if it's not working. Um, and I had a lot of things that were not working or just bogging down my writing. Um, and eventually I had to get to the point where I, I knew I had to let that go to let the story progress. Um, but the thing that helped me feel better about it is I am a giant um, file hoarder. Um, and so all of my previous writing that I had to take out, um, characters, all those other things, I have hoarded away somewhere in the depths of my computer. Um, so I can access that at any time if I just want to revisit them or if, you know, maybe down the line, I want to rebuild them into something different. Um, and that made me feel better that it's not completely lost. It's still somewhere at least there for me. You know, you gave three great points there. And, you know, the first one I want to hit on, um, bad writing is better than no writing. I am a perfectionist too, and I know you know there's there's plenty of us out there who feel like that they just get so frustrated because things are not perfect that they don't write. Yeah, so that's a great mantra that bad writing is better than no writing. Um, two, kill your darlings. Um, I know that um, I've interviewed other people like uh, Peter V. Brett when the first um, book that he did, The Warded Man, like he had to cut like 60, 80 percent of it. I don't remember the exact number and to restart, you know, or that, that those things happen, you know, like, like the, you know, kind of relates to the first mantra that, you know, bad writing is better than no writing. And then three for those perfectionists, to, you know, that's a great habit of putting those into a file, those, those characters, the plot or whatever it is, the ideas and, and be able to reuse them later. I know plenty of authors who have had a, um, had those things in a storage file and have been able to even create whole new worlds and whole new books and whole new characters for that. So, so those are great writing tips. So you're working sure. on book two now. What are some kind of your writing habits and how have they changed throughout the years? Yeah, um, I think the biggest writing habit that has changed is how I um, like approach that first draft. Um, it used to be that I was completely allergic to any sort of planning ahead of time um, because like, oh, mind maps hurt my brain. I hate them. They're the worst things on the planet. Um, and in all of like your school classes, when they're teaching you how to do creative writing or anything, um, they just make you do mind maps and ugh, they're just horrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so for a long time, I was just like, I'm not going to plan anything. I'm just going to go by the seat of the pants. I know where the story is going. Um, and then as I did that, I realized that I was really slowing myself down 
Um, because I'm like, okay, I, I know it has to go from point A to point B and I want to get there somehow, but this middle part is really screwing me up and I can't like go to this next part um, without getting this one done. And I just agonized over it a lot. Um, and then over the past like two years, I've been taking a lot more um, writing classes in general on just like how to better market, um, how to write better and faster. Um, Nick Stevenson paired with another author and oh my gosh, I'm terrible because I've forgotten his name. His first name is John, but that's absolutely not helpful at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he, I took a class from them and one of the things that um, the author, John, and I'm so sorry, I don't have his last name, um, that he recommended that I really liked is um, you get just a whole bunch of index cards. Um, and what you do is when you go to sit down to start your novel or whatever you're working on, um, you write all of the ideas down that you have for any sort of scene, really anything that happens. Um, and then you can spread them out however you want to. It doesn't matter what order they come in your brain. Um, you just write them all down. And then you can collect them all together and you can decide which ones you don't need, which ones you still want, um, which ones you need to add, and then you can kind of put them together. Um, and then what I do is I actually put them into little rings um, where I have them all in order and then I can go through and on whatever day that I'm writing, I'm like, okay, this is the scene that I want to do today. It doesn't have to be in any sort of order and then I'll check it off when it's done. Um, it helps me see exactly when like I'm gonna be done. Um, so it doesn't feel like a forever slog to get there. Um, mm -hmm. And it just, it keeps me way more on track and I don't have to do as much um, like deep plot editing when I edit, edit in the future. You know, that's another great tip or trick. He's, you know, 97, fall of 97, he said, get, um, if you're writing a 10 page research paper, get um, 20 index cards and fill them up with the quotes of, of, that relate to your research and, you know, put them however you want and use two quotes on each page. And then you're, you're, you're just filler in there. And then, you know, that's your research. It's so much easier. And I've, I've seen authors do that as well. In fact, I think Scrivener, I don't know if you use Scrivener or not, but they have a, a thing on there where you can it's literally like a cork board with index cards that you can yeah. write your notes and rearrange them yeah so and i i actually i love scrivener for that um i use scrivener for everything um and yeah so what i would do like i so my writing process I actually handwrite first um because like i cannot for the life of me look at a blank screen and make words come i just can't do it and so i handwrite everything first um, and so I do the same thing with my index cards is I will handwrite all my index cards and then immediately go into Scrivener and put them all into Scrivener that way. Oh, that's, that's great. I'm the, kind of the same way. I have a notebook here that I usually like, I just have your name on there when you, and your book for this interview. But like um, <laughs> when I'm brainstorming on, on the next page over is my brainstorming for my next novel that I'm writing. And that's, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't throw anything out. I just, and in fact, it's very disorganized. Like I don't even follow the lines half the time. <laughs> and, and then I transfer them over um, to, uh, I use Scrivener on that and with the, that cork board and the, the index cards and it, it's yep. really helpful. That's a great tip or trick for anybody that's, that's um, wanting to learn how to outline or do anything like just getting things out of your head and onto paper helps. Absolutely. 100%. No, that's fantastic. Do you use like a certain outline um, system like three act play or a three act structure or anything like that? Um, I do actually. So again, this is Oh, I have to look up that author. I will email it to you because I cannot for the life of me remember. Um, but again, this author that 
paired with Nick Stevenson. Um, he has a system um, and you can kind of change it around however your brain works best for you. But um, he, he just calls them like phases. Mm -hmm. And so let's see if I can get to the start of this and I will tell you. Oh. So he has a couple different phases. The first one is preparation. Um, and so this is where you're getting introduced to your character um, to kind of like what's going on, um, all those other things and building up to what's gonna happen later. So you start with preparation and then as you go along, um, he calls them turning points um, or game changers is what he calls them. Uh, so game changer number one is where you change from like your preparation phase to your next phase. It's that first like switch in the story. Um, and then you go into reaction where your character is like, I have no idea what's going on. I'm just reacting to it. And we're going from there. Um, and they're failing a lot. They're stumbling around and they're just reacting as things come. Um, anyway, and so there's, I think there's five different phases and then two or three um, game changing moments um, that kind of put the whole story together. So you have a completed arc um, you're seeing changes in your character um, and you're also not like kind of mired in one spot for too long. Like you don't spend too much time on your preparation phase where you're just like info dumping everything that's going on in the world um, or you're not spending too much time in like your middle ground, which is always super like muddy for a lot of authors, including me, like the middle part drives me absolutely bananas. I'm like, I just want to get from the beginning to the end. What is this middle part? <laughs> Who needs growth? Just, just exactly. <laughs> um, and so I, that's kind of how I structure it. Um, and again, with my index cards, what I'll do is I will put the names of all my different phases up at the top. And then once I'm done writing all my index cards out, I will put them underneath the titles of those phases and I'll make sure that they're all pretty like evenly filled. Um, and then I, if I have only like three index cards in one and then 20 and another one, I'm like, oh, I should probably balance some things out here. Right. And I'm, I'm assuming that probably the game changing moments, it probably has to wrap up, uh, you know, retch up and in, in tension and stuff. It's got to build a little bit. Yep, absolutely. No, I love um, learning about different outlining techniques because what might work for you might not work for me and what might work for me might not work for you or somebody else that's listening. So like, I mean, lots of people look at, um, you know, just the three act structure, basic it's, it's been used for millennia, you know, I think, uh, I don't know if it's Plato or Aristotle was the first one to write about it, you know. But then you got like Dan Harmon's story circle that, you know, people have used. Dan Wells has a, a great one that he uses, a, just a seven-step formula. But to be able to understand and what's going on with the story, I think is key. And no, no matter what outlining um, technique you use, to be able to, to use that effectively. And like I said, like um, Ashley's might not work, or I guess it's John's um, technically, but like... Yeah. <laughs> whatever find something that works for you and be able to to use it because if it doesn't work for you who cares like you know if you if you're trying to do the three x structure and you just can't get your head around it why use it like yeah so i think that's fun that you found something that works for you and you know tying that into that that note card thing i think it's a great tip or trick for anybody to be able to um, create a story and be able to um, use that to to build tension and have entertainment as well so that's fantastic yeah. So you, you ha you've taken classes. What are some uh, classes that you have enjoyed? And do you have a writing group or do you have anybody that you um, look to or have a mentor or something like that? Yeah. So I, um, 
Oh gosh, I've gone through so many different writing groups because again, I've been writing for 14 years plus. Um, right now, um, I use a lot of Nick Stevenson's um, work because he he just does a phenomenal job and he's super fun to listen to um, and really informative and just wants to help. Um, so I've really appreciated his stuff. And then as far as like my writing group of people that I have right now, um, I have a group of a couple that I met at FanX of 2022. So last year, um, Joanna Reeder is a lovely, wonderful human. Um, and I just absolutely adore her. And she has become kind of like my, my writing mentor, bestie, whatever. She's great. Um, and then Cole and Bo um, Neville, they're also excellent. Met them all there. And we actually, so we all write kind of like fantasy sci-fi stuff, but it's all very different like subgenres, mm -hmm. which I think actually works out for us because then we don't feel like we're having to compete for the same readers or anything. Um, we're just there to help each other out. Um, and then I'm also part of this group called Indie Fantasy Addicts. It's on Facebook um, and they have an author's section for that. Um, I call it like the best corner of the internet. It is so fun and so great. Um, and every there, everyone there is super supportive. Um, and I think that has really like helped build my confidence that there are people out there that are looking for the kind of fantasy that I write, but then also like people that are in the same exact boat that I'm in. Um, and we're all just there to help each other out. Right. And um, you were, you shared a booth with them at FanX. I did. Yes. Um, and so usually I ask about marketing and stuff. Um, how was that for you, like going to a convention and, and selling your book? Um, because being able to, to meet somebody one-on-one -on -one and be able to pitch your story is so much different than trying to sell online. It's just a picture and, and stuff like that. So how, how did that go? How was that for you? Yeah. Oh, I loved it. I, like basically after that very first day, I was like, oh, I'm hooked. If I could just spend all of my time just going to different conventions and things and meeting readers one-on-one, -on -one, I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, unfortunately I have to have like adult full-time job, whatever else. And that's boring, but whatever. Um, and so no, it, it was an absolute blast and it is such a joy and a privilege to be able to meet with like my people, essentially, you know, like the people that have the same likes and dislikes as I do. And like, are just giant nerds. Like I, I love that. And I'm, I call myself like an extroverted introvert. Like I really enjoy like my own time, but I also just really enjoy people in general um, and getting to talk with them and interact with them is in person is so much better than online. Not that online is terrible. And I've met a lot of really excellent people there. Um, but it's, I kind of see it like how I do my handwriting. Like I can connect much better in person on a physical space than I can online. So like I said, you shared a booth, you, um, your booth had, I don't know, like a dozen authors or so, you know, yeah. there's a, a shared group. How is that uh, for you? And what's the advantages to that versus um, having your own booth? Yeah. Um, so that, again, that was a really just great time. Um, we had a ton of fun. Um, and a huge benefit of it was, again, we, we were all fantasy authors, um, but we all like were just different enough that we weren't like sniping readers from other people. We were all just like, hey, what kind of books do you like? Oh, I don't have that book, but this one, like couple stores down, like they're great. And anyway, so we, we just kind of did that. And I think we worked really, really well together, which I know not everybody has that same like good luck with just a good group of authors that they find. 
Um, the benefits that I found from it were first, um, I mean, this was my very first um, event that I had ever gone to. So I had no idea what I was doing. It was also a last minute thing. Somebody else had dropped out. So I had two weeks to prepare. So I was really just like fish out of water. I was like, I have no idea what's happening. I'm just here to have a good time, I think. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so I was able to kind of like watch and observe and see how they were doing um, and pick up some really good tricks. And I think that that is just a huge benefit to finding an author community in general is just picking up those things from them. Um, The other benefit is cost. Um, A booth at Fanex is like over a thousand dollars at least. Um, and that's for like a mediocre one. Um, and so being able to join up with a whole bunch of people and kind of fit into that space, it makes some of these bigger events much more accessible to somebody like brand new to the market like me. Right. And it was a fantastic booth. Um, you know, the Zagaris were there, Christian Russell's there, Rob Grimmer, like you had a bunch of people. And I like what you said, like you were all different enough to where like, oh, you might not like my stuff, but you know, Joanna's right here that she, you might like her stuff or, you know, somebody else, you can point him to um, whoever. So you guys can help each other out. So you said you were the last one in, like, like uh, what kind of contacts did you make to, that somebody reached out to you and be like, hey, we have a space. Do you want to come in? Yeah. Um, so it's actually through that Facebook group, um, Indie Fantasy Addicts. Um, we were all part of that group. Um, and they had, I think it was Rob actually that had posted and he'd said, hey, look, I have this giant you know plat full of um books that I'm, I've never had this giant thing of book shipped to my house before because all of the authors had shipped it to him and he said it it's for fanex and I was like oh my gosh that's so cool and so I just you know commented on the post I said that is amazing um if ever you guys need like an extra person or something like in following years hit me up let me know um and he's like okay cool and that was about it. And then a couple of weeks later, somebody dropped out and he's like, uh, Ashley, do you want to come join in this? And I was like, uh, heck yes, I got to get everything done. But I like my books, the, this was how like close we cut it. Um, the books for that event of mine, um, I had to essentially bribe my UPS driver and I met him in a parking lot somewhere. And I just like grabbed my boxes out of the back of his van and put them into my car and then drove to Salt Lake. <laughs> that's amazing that happens though um that's one of the downsides of conventions because sometimes you have to ship your stuff luckily for you like that was um a local convention but yeah. i know others i went to phoenix Fan fusion and uh, an author that i had interviewed his books showed up the first day of the convention like, <gasps> and he was panicking like oh gosh you no know, that happens um so i called uh when i was talking to, to robert and dan zangari um i, I kind of called their booth kind of like the bard's tower of um the indie publishing world and for those people who don't go to conventions um and i don't know if bard's tower goes to everywhere i know they go to a few things it's a bunch of um you know traditionally author uh, traditionally published authors you know fantasy and science fiction and some of them they didn't even get their books so oh, i mean um i talked to a few of them and they're like yeah i only have like these five books so like for you guys to be able to do that and i, I thought it was powerful that like there's such a, a market for indie published books that you guys were able to do that. And yeah. every time I walked by, there was a lots of people around. So I thought that was fantastic. So, um, you know, you're, you're indie published, you're in charge of everything. Um, yeah. Let's go back to the marketing stuff. So like how, how challenging has it been? What have been some of your successes of marketing your book? Yeah. You know, you don't, normally people don't write books just to, to read some people do but like they want to sell the books and share it with the world so like yeah how, how have you been able to do that 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the biggest things is building a newsletter. Um, cause that's like my group of people like want to be a part of it. They want to hear about what I'm doing. Um, and I can also tell them about like new releases, things like that. Um, and so those are people that I have like kept and maintained and they don't just like go wandering off and then forget about me kind of thing. Um, and so that's been a really big portion of it is like building that up, um, getting a website together and those things. Um, I am not by any means the best marketer. Um, it's been particularly hard. I actually just left a job that um, took up a lot of like my emotional and physical time in general. Um, and so I wasn't able to dedicate as much time as I would have liked to. Um, but now that I have more of this time to do that, um, I am really enjoying, again, just like reaching out to people and talking with them. Um, a lot of social media stuff, a lot of emails and newsletters. Um, I also, one of the biggest things that helps me like build an audience is kind of quote unquote, like piggybacking off of other people. Um, and so we do a lot of things called author swaps where, hey, you know, your book is really similar to mine. Um, so our readers are probably the same. I'll talk about your book in my group and you talk about mine. Um, and then we just swap them. And then we have other people joining and uh, recognizing some of those other things. Because again, that's the nice thing about being an author, I think in general is very few people are out to buy one book their entire life and just read that one book. Um, like they want to continue to read and they want to continue to do those things. Um, and so the more that you can pair with other authors and um, kind of help each other out, it's this big karma wheel that comes back to you and does kind of help get your name out there and things. I also do a lot of giveaways like, hey, you know, come, come do this thing, come join my newsletter, whatever else, and I'll enter you for a giveaway for a Kindle or some signed books or whatever else. And so those are some of the things that I've been working on that I think have been the most successful. Um, and then the, the giant reward from that is just getting people, like this morning I had somebody message me just saying, oh my gosh, I'm 50 pages away from the end of the book and I love it so much. And like that that just like makes me feel good. I'm like, okay, all of those years and everything else were worth it. I may be struggling with money right now because being an independent author is expensive, um, but having those readers that love it as much as they do, that makes it all worth it. Right. And I've heard like first books don't make a lot of money for indie authors, but like, that's why you keep pushing forward. And that's why you, you know, you, it can eventually. Um, and those moments where you have those readers reaching out and say, man, this is so fantastic that's fueled and motivation to keep going. Yeah. That's, that's what you kind of want when you're putting books out. So like I said, and I want, I want to bring up a point that, you know, from a previous question that you said, but um, you know, you said you got that um, invitation to, to join the booth because you had already commented and say, hey, I think that's so important to be able to have the courage to reach out and say something and not just be a, you know, I'm, there are people in, in Facebook groups that are lurkers that love love to read and love to see everybody's progress and, and mm -hmm. stuff like that, but they don't comment. And those those comments and being able to, you know, just reach out and say, hey, like, I love your stuff or whatever can be a key and can be um, like a seed that can grow into some some sort of relationship that can help you and help whoever you're commenting about in the future. So, yeah, yeah. I love that. That's that was that was uh, such a, a key moment that you did that I think is is important. And as introverts like me, like that's scary, right? Like that's yeah. 
And that that's that can be hard for some people. But the more I interview people and the more I've I've talked to people just um, you know, at conventions and stuff, that I I find that that's the key. Like one of the top 10 things that I've learned um talking to people is getting out of your comfort uh, comfort zone and be able to reach out and talk to people. I think that that's key. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um and I think too something that I got hung up on a lot when I first started marketing is I'm like, I just have to talk about my book all the time. And I just have to try to sell, sell, sell. Um, and I've really found that like my more successful marketing is when I'm just like interacting as a human. Um, and I'm just like, Hey, I, you know, I have this cool thing or, Oh my gosh, we have similar interests. And like, when I just really market more of and market in quotes here, but like market more of myself and I'm just, you know, just myself with people um, and start conversations rather than sales pitches. Right. That's where I've been more successful. No, that's a great tip or trick. Like I said, you're in charge of everything, editing, cover artist. Um, how did you find your editor? Yeah. Um, so my editor, I actually found um, there is a website called reedsy.com, R-E-E-D's and dog S-Y. Um, and they, um, the reason I chose them is you have like websites like Fiverr and other things where you can find really good professionals, but they also don't um, like go through and check them very well. And so a lot of the times you can find a lot of people that are just out to get your money and then not give you any of the work. Right. Um, so I was really concerned about that, especially because I am doing it all on my own and that's expensive stuff. Um, and so I was looking around trying to find a website that like really vets thing professionals well. Um, and I found Reedsy. Uh, Reedsy is super excellent. Um, I am not by any means sponsored by them. So this is free advertising for them, but, um, I, they, they vet all their professionals. They have, um, all the different kinds of editors. Uh, so I went through two different professional edits. I did a, an editorial assessment. Um, and so I went through one editor for that. And then I did um, line edits and all those other things through a different editor. Um, mm -hmm. just because I'm like, you know what, if you have to read through it multiple times, like I do, I know I miss things. And so getting multiple people looking at it is great. Um, and I found them both through Reedsy. Excellent. Loved them. Um, Reedsy also has a whole bunch of like cover artists, interior designers, formatters. I think they have like marketers and other things too. Anyway, they, they've got a ton of stuff there and it's awesome. Um, as more freebie though, too, I did have a friend of mine who was just like really invested in just like wanting to read this book and um, all these other things. And so I was like, here, I mean, you can read this if you want. And she read through it and she ended up being like a, a free editor for me because she was so good at finding things. And so I think for this next book, I'm just going to up and pay her for it because she did such a stellar <laughs> job for me. <laughs> That's fantastic. Did you go through uh, like alpha readers or beta readers or anything like that as well, or just the, the two edits? Because I had been working on it for so long, um, I, I didn't necessarily do that. And I didn't have the, um, the reader base to like send that to. Right. Um, my friend Aria that ended up doing some of the edits and stuff, she was kind of like a beta reader for me. Um, and then like all growing up and stuff, um, I'd been sending it to a whole bunch of people. Um, my dad, bless him. So <laughs> in my book, I actually have it dedicated to him. Um, and I say, you know, for my dad who read every draft and still loves me, um, cause he did, he read every single draft, even from when I was 11 years old. 
Um, and it was horrible hot garbage. And he was just like the sweetest, nicest about it. And he doesn't even like fantasy. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you so should have dedicated he, it to him. <laughs> yes, 100%. He earned it. Um, and so he was really great. I would send it to like all of my high school teachers and things. And so I, I was like that annoying kid that just wanted everybody to read it all the time. And I think because I did that so much younger and then I did so much of my own self-editing, um, when I finally got it to this point, I felt pretty confident in not having to necessarily get it out to a whole ton of other people. Um, and so my um, developmental editor um, who did my editorial assessment, she kind of sort of functioned as a beta reader and then I went through and fixed it and then had a couple other people look at it. Nice. That's fantastic. Uh, did you use Readsy as well to find your cover artist? I did not actually. So for that one, I'm, I was looking at Readsy, but um, I just wasn't like finding the vibe necessarily that I wanted. Um, and there was through one of my other author groups that I was on on Facebook, um, somebody said, oh, there's this website called, um, it's the cover designer directory. So it's coverdesignerdirectory.com. Um, that one also great because it's just a whole bunch of freelance cover designers. Um, and you know, they go on there, they post some of their work that they've done um, and they do it by genre. And so whatever type of author you are, you can go um, look up the genre that you're looking for um, and see some of the things that people have done, find one you like, and then you get routed directly to their website and then you can talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and so that's what I did for mine. Um, her name is Taimea, I think she's in New Zealand. Um, anyway, she was spectacular. I think she only had to do two drafts before we were just done and it was beautiful and I almost cried and it was great. And so I am more than happy to continue to use her for the rest of the series. That's fantastic. No, it's, it's a beautiful cover. I'm looking at it right now with the two rings and you know, the, the foliage and stuff like, it's pretty awesome. Like, I, I like yeah. that. It, it looks like a magical world, like already, So you know what you're kind of getting into, which is the point. Like you don't yeah. want to give the wrong message on your cover. So that, that's fantastic. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, you know, you're working on book two now, um, hoping to come out this year. Um, how many books are you planning on? So for this series, I am planning on five. Um, and there's also a companion piece that I'm working on. Um, that will be some like short stories and other things set in the same world um, as that. And so that's what I'm planning for those. Um, and then I have some other like spinoffs and things that are eventually going to happen for this series um, because I spent so much time in this world. It like, it's all just come into being. And so I think this is gonna take up the majority of my adult life is just working <laughs> on this whole series. Um, and then I'm just working on some other like smaller projects on the side. Um, I'm thinking about doing a, uh, a Kindle Bella story um, and things like that, so. That's fantastic. You know, how, what have been some of the challenges um, as you've been moving forward, planning out the whole series? Um, five books isn't a, a small task by any means. Like, um, what are you doing to kind of keep continuity and, and stuff like that throughout the series? Yeah. Um, so for continuity, what I actually do, um, so I have, you know, obviously my index cards and things that we talked about. Um, but also what I do is um, I have a thing that I call an idea dump. It is, I have notes on my phone for it. Um, it's just like in a note-taking app. And then I have a couple other places that I'll just write things down and any sort of idea that comes to my mind that I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I need to do that. I will just write it down in my idea dump. It doesn't matter how like gross, nasty the handwriting is or anything. I'm like, this is just where 
my ideas are and I keep that there. Um, one of my editors as well was actually really kind and she gave me this um, document when she was done that has like all of the places that I've written about as well as all the characters and some of their stuff um, and things. And so I think that's a really good document to keep. And I wish I'd thought about that when I was doing that first book. So I didn't have to like flip through all my pages again. Um, so keep track of that stuff is my recommendation for anybody that's writing a series. Um, but then, yeah, the idea dumps, everything else. Um, and then I also, I hate waiting, especially when like I'm super motivated to write something. And so if I have a scene or an idea or something that I just really need to write down, I'll just write it down and then I'll save it for later. That's a great tip or trick, um, great advice. Um, you know, not only like just have an idea dump or, you know, whatever it is, whether that's on your phone, whether you keep a, a small spiral notebook in your pocket, whatever, like being able to think of things and be able to write down at that moment is very, very important. Like I've, I've thought of things and like, oh, I'll write that down later. And I can't remember. That is yeah. the worst lie I tell myself is, oh, I'll remember it later. No, always a lie. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Get it out now. Get your phone and, and write it down. Everybody has a phone. Uh, whatever phone you have usually has some sort of note-taking capability, whether it's notes on your iPhone or whatever Android has. I don't even know. Like they got they got something that you can put something that send a text to yourself or you know, send an email. Like you, there's there's ways to be able to, to get that from your head out onto paper so that you can remember it later on. That, that's great advice. Yeah. So a, a day in the life of, the, of, of Ashley, like what, what do you do? Like, what are some of your daily habits to keep you on track? Yeah. Um, so my, uh, my daily habits kind of went out the window for a little bit. Like I told you, um, especially because like, after I finished that book, I was like, I need a break. That was so much. <laughs> right. It is. It, it was. And so definitely take breaks. Maybe don't take breaks as long as I have. Um, but some of the things that I do day to day is I love making to-do lists. I love being able to check them off. That is like a huge serotonin dump for me as if I can just like mark it off on a list. Um, and so I'll make a list of the things I need to do for that day. Um, every day I, I do try to interact with readers in some way, shape or form. If that's just like commenting on something on Facebook, um, in like one of the reader groups that I'm part of, I'll do that. Um, I'm working on trying to build a TikTok following. That's a little bit up and down. We'll see. Um, the algorithm's super weird. So we'll see about that. Um, every Friday I send out newsletters. Those are really, really important to stay pretty consistent about. Um, and then just as far as writing goes, I have found I do my best writing um, when I try to do a little bit of something every single day. Um, and it, it doesn't even have to be a lot. Like, even if I just write a single sentence for that day, um, my brain is still in that developing and working on it. Even if like physically I only wrote a sentence, I'm still like, okay, I know this is going to happen. And then this and this and this. Um, and I don't always do that. And I do take breaks and things, especially with this other job that I was doing before, because it just demanded a lot of my time. Um, but I, like I said, I do my best work when I just write every single day, give myself an hour or something like that and just handwrite, get it done. Um, and having those scenes planned out already, I know exactly what I need to be doing for that day. Um, and so that's just more helpful for me. That's fantastic. Like all that stuff, like people could just 
listen to that and, and it's just gold, like being able to do something every day. Um, one of my favorite stories um, is I think Jerry Steinfeld um, would have a calendar above his writing desk and every day that he wrote a joke or something, you know, something like he would put a red X on it and his, his um, goal or his mantra was don't break the red, the, the red chain. And so being able to do something every day, it does keep your head in that space and be able to keep going. Even if it's like a sentence, like you said, um, I love, I love the the newsletter every Friday. I love the, you know, being consistent, I think is key in, in doing anything. Absolutely. Um, what kind of software are like, who do you go through for your newsletter? Um, for my newsletter, I go through MailChimp. Um, they're, they're pretty great and they start. Um, so I've, I've built up my newsletter a little bit. And so it's a little bit more expensive now, but starting out, I think it's only like 10 or $15 a month. And I think you can even do free for a little bit for them. Um, but they're super easy to use. I was also using them at my other job. Um, and so like it, it just kind of crossed over and my knowledge went both ways. And so I didn't, I wasn't like bothered about using it. Um, but I've also heard really good things about MailerLite. Um, those are kind of the top two that I've heard for authors in particular in sending out those newsletters and things. Well, that's fantastic. And what you were talking about earlier with the newsletter swap or being able to do like an author swap or, or exchange, I think it is great. Being able to be able to put yourself out there, being consistent and, and doing the things that you need to in order to sell your book and, and be consistent in writing as well as, I mean, those two things are, I, I think are undervalued. Um, you know, there's lots of people who, who don't write that think, oh, it's easy to write a book. You know, it's easy to do something like that, but it's it's not. Like you don't realize how hard it is to, be consistent to write. Uh, I don't know how long your book is, but like average books, like hundred thousand words, right? 70 to hundred thousand words. Like, yeah, that's a lot. Like that's people don't realize how hard that really is. Yeah. And even, even with it just being like volume alone, that's a lot, but then like making it quality volume. Right. That, yeah, it is. It's a lot of work. Then not only that, be able to sell your book is a lot of work. Like there's, yeah. there's, there's the art side to it. And then there's the science side where you have to like market and do all that stuff. Even there's there's science side to it of, of writing a good book and understanding structure and understanding, you know, character development and stuff like that. Like it's, it's, you gotta use both hemispheres of your brain. That's for sure. Oh, 100%. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Um, Ashley, thank you so much for getting on with me today. Uh, go ahead and tell everybody how they can get a hold of you, a hold of your book. Yeah, and absolutely. Sign up for your newsletter. Yeah, so um, you can get a hold of me at my email address. It's just a l Lawrenson l o r e n s e n at gmail.com. Um, I do have a website. It's a l l writes w r i t e s dot com. Um, I sell eBooks and signed paperbacks through there. You can also sign up for my newsletter on that website. Um, but if you're like not sure about like getting a signed book, whatever else. Um, Basically, my book is sold um, anywhere that books are sold. So you can get it off Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, and my brain just blanked on all the other ones, Target, Walmart, like really anywhere um, that you buy your books, you can get them there. Um, and yeah, and if you do join my newsletter, I do have a free short story that I send out to all of my newsletter people um, that is set in the same world as um, Forever Greens and Aspen Trees. It's just um, a couple hundred years before. So if that's something you're interested in, I am happy to get all of the extra readers um, because I just love interacting with you guys. So that's fantastic. Before we close off, do you have any last minute tips or tricks that you want to share? Um, oh gosh, 
put you on the spot. Be consistent. Yeah, be consistent for sure. Um, but and be willing to learn. Um, I am constantly learning, but I am finding as I learn more, I love it more. Um, and I'm realizing that this is really like what I want to do with the rest of my life. Um, so be willing to learn, be willing to step out of your comfort zone for sure. Um, the more you talk to people, the easier it gets. Um, but all in all, just remember that you're doing this because you love it um, and because you like it. And the rest of it will fall into place if you put your passion there. Perfect. Thank you so much. Are you going to any conventions this year? Um, I'm planning on it. I'm planning on being at FanX again. Um, I think I'm also planning on doing the Salt Lake um, Christmas gift show that they do in December. Um, and I'm looking for some other opportunities to do some earlier in the year as well. I haven't found any yet, but hopefully eventually I will make it to some of those other ones. So if you see her at a convention, go up and say hi. Please do. I love seeing everybody. Perfect. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time today. <laughs> Thanks, Carson. Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast. Please subscribe, like, and share with your friends.